Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that's taped after dark. I'm Alex. When you live in a train car that's run down, the only way to look forward to anything is to have it decked out like it's some uh, some fancy-ass train shit. I'm Justin. <laughs> I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Riverdale Season 7, Episode 4, Chapter 121, Love and Marriage, Love ah. and Marriage. Beautiful Sinatra. Oh, no, I was singing the Married with Children theme song. Yeah, Married with Children. That's a different yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we are definitely going to be getting into spoilers for that. But first, a bit of recap of what you need to know. The gang is all back in 1955 with their memories rebooted, their emotional memories. Got some questions about that that maybe we'll get into more on this episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. But the big event that's happened is murder is back in Riverdale, even in this more innocent hey, time. Hey, murder's back, hey! baby! <laughs> As Ethel has been accused of murdering her parents. Maybe oh, it was based on a comic book, maybe not. We get a little more into it, exactly what Ethel was up to on the night in question. Um Part of what she's up to, without spoiling it too much right up front, is Julian Blossom is the brother of Cheryl Blossom. Last episode, Julian was encouraged by his mother to encourage Archie to ask Cheryl out, which he did. Archie did not know, just as Cheryl arguably doesn't exactly know that she is a lesbian. Uh, So they started dating, or at least going steady, I guess, if you want to call it that, in this time period. Much to the chagrin of <laughs> Tony Topaz and Veronica Lodge and Betty Cooper in particular, all oh, who are gunning for one half of that relationship. Now, they we left off on a cliffhanger that made several people very angry at the end of the last episode, where Cheryl said that she had slept with Archie. 
get it out of the way up front. She didn't. We find out very quickly. Great call. I believe you called that, Alex, or one of us did. And that yeah, was, well, that was that nice. was hoping beyond hope, and by hopers rewarded. So I'm very happy about that. But we find out a lot more about that and get more into Cheryl's sexuality in this episode as she continues to grapple with that, and Archie continues to grapple with uh, how he is feeling about a bevy of other people. Meanwhile, Midge is going steady with fangs that comes to a head this episode. Yeah. Betty and <laughs> Kevin are all. Also at a crossroads, they wait. Uh, now, now I'm blanking. Uh, oh yeah. So up. yes. So basically, Betty wants to have sex very badly with Kevin. Gives him a human sexuality textbook that she had taken from Ethel's house and said, "This is it. Ultimatum. Sleep with me, or that's it." Although not exactly using those not words. R- yeah, I mean, take it easy on that. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? what, do, what do you think she was successing? Well, uh, real I, quick, I, if it wasn't like sex, well, what else was on the menu? No, Pete? I just, just Betty was kind of like feeling like there was what? no what affection was towards him, her. And she was no. just like, hey, either we're going to try to move our relationship forward in a way I, that's This is a, a direct more... quote from the last episode. Betty said, Kevin, bone in or bone out, right? <laughs> no. Nah. Uh, let me be honest. on that one. I was with you, Alex, until you, I guess, opened your <laughs> <Yeah>. mouth. <laughs> That's not a uh, necessarily a sex thing you just said. I don't know. I'm still learning along with the show. And the last couple I think we need to talk about is Veronica and Jughead that struck up a bit of flirtation oh, towards the end of the last yes. episode. Bonded over movies and things go uh, up in a big way by the end of this episode. So let's jump into it. Do we want to talk about the Sharchie stuff first? Because I think that was the big thing that we kind of left off on on the last episode. Yeah. We'll pick it up here. Um, obviously, I was very negative about it in the last episode. Yeah. I was pretty upset about the whole sleeping together thing. We did speculate that maybe she was faking it. She just got a hickey. Maybe she was faking the hickey. She's working with Archie. And it turns out, in fact, it, it's not exactly that, but she lied about going all the way in order to get her parents off her back. It spins wildly out of control because we're in the 50s and because the parents find out they slept together. Clifford Blossom, returning guest star, and and Mary Andrews decide that the kids need to get married. They go through a marriage compatibility test thanks to Doctor uh, Werther's. Still three questions. Real, it's so oh, many are we questions. Do this. Are three we questions. Oh, the twi- the test you're talking yeah. about, Pete. Yeah, all all it is is three questions. Well, I thought that's, that's I, I don't plenty. know if you're going to do this, Justin. If we want to jump to this right now, but I thought the three of us should probably take the compatibility test. And yeah, no, we definitely oh, long overdue. Long okay, overdue. Uh, real quick, do we come from different backgrounds? Yep. No. Honestly, not really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the only difference between you and I is you say I like garbage plates, and I didn't know what that meant. Right. That's you both grew up in upstate Dude, what New York. Are you, talking about? you and I you went to college up, in the same town. Yeah. yeah. You grew up in a well drinking from a well like some ring monster, dude. Uh, don't say we grew up this same. I didn't climb out of the well. I did, uh, grew up in the country and we had a well with it. I didn't fetch dude, water. I've seen pictures of the house way out there. It looks like someone crawled out of a pipe and then like set up a camp. Uh, okay, well, I think we've established pretty mixed answers. <laughs> <laughs> Next one: Are you close friends? Ooh, this is a tough one. Peace. Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, I was expecting a different answer there. Great. And That's the last nice. one: Do you understand the concept of marriage? No. Oh, Justin, into trouble. 
I mean, I guess I am married, so I'm um, <laughs> used to understand it pretty well. Well, I guess by the Werther's scale, we are allowed to get married. There you go, because the answers don't actually seem to matter at all. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like, it, this test feels like it's designed to so for someone to be like, you passed or you failed. You can't ever see each other again. It's very much like a... Uh, well, that's what it gets to me to a larger point about this episode. There's so much sort of satire going on in this season and this um, this episode particularly where it's like they're unabashedly having these characters go through things that um, are sort of what we think and know some of what we know happened back in like the 50s. And there's not they're not winking at it. And then the show is being shot in a way that I think is really uh, like a spe- specifically the Cheryl Archie stuff we're talking about was so like Norman Rockwell, Americana, like storybook. They're on those bri- the bridge in the, the early scene in this episode. Oh, the bridge was nice. And they're show- it's shot in a way where it's meant to look like this storybook American romance. But underneath it all, we know it's all fake. It's all smoke and mirrors. There's no real Archie's swept up in it, doesn't know how he feels, and is just going along with it because he doesn't want anyone to feel bad. Cheryl, meanwhile, is doing this a little bit out of spite, and she like has a lot of swirling feelings happening happening for her. I think she does care for Archie as a person, right. as we find out later when she's talking to Tony, but her attraction is for Tony. Right. So like I I lo- I thought this episode was really smart and the the test that we just took and passed with flying colors um <laughs> is another example of that. It's something that is meant to be this like authority you put on like forcing these two kids to get married when it's absolute bullshit. Yeah, I I think I, this is jumping ahead to the Tony Fags Midge stuff, but just on your thing about the whole satire, there was the whole frog test thing which sounds oh man, insane. But in- that's 100% accurate. Yes, it's it real. Is. What was it? The Hogson test, I think it's called. Uh, they used it. For yeah. the old fr- oh, I just H- need some pee and a frog. Yeah. Hogbin. Hogbin test. Hogbin. There you go. And it, it's a very much a real thing. And like it wasn't perfect. There were some uh, false positives in the no, back no, when they, they was uh, from the no, reading this that I episode. Did. It was uh, it seemed 100 percent accurate. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, well, from the reading, there was a great article about it in The Atlantic that I read because immediately after the episode, I was like, that can't be true. And then I read several things and I was like, this is true. Uh, yeah. And in The Atlantic, they said that they did all these tests and I think they got three false positives yep. out of yep. several hundred tests or something like yep. that. But even that, that's what I mean, it was pretty accurate. It, it's yep. sort of, I don't, I didn't read this, but the numbers are sort of similar to what a actual pregnancy test right. that we buy at the pharmacy are. So it's Why like, are we wasting our time with pregnancy tests? Then? You got a frog. You could just, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. I uh, mean, yeah, that, why not? yeah. Yeah. Well, the, uh, so uh, I, I just wanted to mention that just because I think this definitely felt like, and I don't say this derisively, an episode where somebody was like, we did a lot of research on the 1950s. Here you go. Uh, but yeah. it's fun to get these details, and they really, they feel, it, it's crazy that in this show that we talk it's about. It's fun and it, also scary. Well, it's fun and also scary, but also like this marriage test and this frog test are things that if they did them on Riverdale, and let's say they were only Riverdale things, we'd be like, yep, that, that fits if they did that on a regular episode of Riverdale that is not back in the 1950s, we'd be like, this is regular Riverdale craziness. Yep, totally tracks. And here they're doing it. It fits with the show, but it's actually yeah. real at the same time, which is kind of fascinating. Well, and I think that may be – I don't know how deep sort of the satire goes, but they may be sort of doing that on purpose to be like, look, this feels like wild Riverdale stuff. 
But that's the way things were for real in the 50s, just showing that like the whole point of this show to undercut the town with Pep, there's this bright, shiny Riverdale and underneath things are a little messier, showing that that's how reality actually is as well. Wow, um, man. To get back to the Sharchi thing, yeah, though, I – and you talked about this a little bit, Justin, but I really loved how KJ Appa and Madeleine Petch played this this episode, particularly Madeleine Petch. You know, you mentioned really liking the bridge scene. And what I thought was really interesting about this that made me upset at the end of the last episode because they kind of played it for goofy comedy, but here they played it mostly straight, is – She's really trying. She is in an era where she's like, I'm supposed to be straight. That is what I am supposed to be feeling. Archie is this good guy who's giving up his entire life for me. I got to try to make this work. And she gives him this look that seems like in any other circumstance would be this romantic moment. But we know there's this undercurrent of, uh, I don't know, tension there in terms of the way she's playing it of like – I have to make this work. I have to make this. This is what I'm supposed to do for this great guy who's giving up this stuff. I'm going to kiss him. That's what he wants. That's what he wants right now. I got to give this to him. And this is what's right for me. But ultimately, she goes on this journey by the end where she realizes, no, this isn't right for me. And this isn't right for Archie. And ultimately tells him what she thinks is right for Archie that we could probably talk about as well. But I thought they played this across the board really well. It was, to me, the entire opposite of what I felt from the last episode. Yeah. I did feel like it was very Archie. You know what I mean? Like only Archie could like accidentally stumble into a marriage and be like, oh, geez, I got to get married because this is the right thing to do. So it was like a, you know, because it was Archie, it felt a little lighter. You know what I mean? Which was nice where you weren't kind of like really worried for these characters. Uh, But yeah, I, you know, I thought it was a very interesting and cool kind of putting them together. I think they're really having some fun with this show being like, oh, well, we know what you ships that are and what you want. We're going to we're going to play a little shell game for a little bit. We're going to keep you guessing. We're going to mix things up a little bit. Uh, so, you know, they're having fun. So um, it's hard. I'm trying not to get too invested too early while we're in the 50s here. <laughs> Uh, nice. Bad news for you. We're going to be in the fifties for most of the season. That's okay. I'm, I'm still, you know, I can't get my hopes up, man. I can't get my hopes up. It's for funny, Pete. I feel like a lot of people are a little bit. Any criticism of the season are like, well, it's the fifties. What does this matter? And I don't know. I think the show is sharper than it's ever been because we're getting to do the murder stuff that we all like and the and the wildness of that. They're actually doing some like sharp takes on what it meant to be a teenager in the 50s, what it means to te- be a teenager now. And it's still the same characters and uh, and potential relationships that we've always been obsessed with. This show is uh, operating on so many levels. I, think. Uh, I, I disagree, though, because you, you said something that's not universally true. OK, we're not all pushing for the murder uh, in Riverdale. Some of us want the fridge chaining. You know what I mean? Some of us think the fr- chaining someone to the fridge is the real Riverdale. Hmm. This is Jughead? No. Yep, Jughead, Jughead. Was, was chained to the fr- handcuffed to the fridge? I don't think he was chained to a fridge. No, he was chained to a fridge. He was chained to the fridge, yeah, because he could, he was going to uh, play that game. And they, he Griffin's was like chained to Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I haven't been following the hashtag <laughs> Fridgehead uh, on Twitter, but let me know how it's popping these days it and is. how you and the rest of the Fridgehead gang is doing. Uh, but I guess what I'm saying is like this – 
the people can have their individual criticisms, but I think the show has, is sort of at its peak form right now. And I look forward to seeing it all move forward in, in every which way. Back on Archie and Cheryl, though, like Archie is this kid who just is like, I'm in love now and I will marry this person and I'm going to go uh, on the bus if that's what. No, I'm not. OK, who do I love now? Like he is just a, <laughs> this simple uh, point point Archie at anyone that Cheryl literally does later in the episode. It's like, can I point you toward Betty? She will love you. Uh, she needs someone in her life desperately. And. You're that person. So I thought that was interesting. And Cheryl, meanwhile, is like complete opposite is has this everything, all these intense feelings just boiling underneath her that she's just trying to keep a lid on until, again, the end of the episode when she is maybe the door is open for her and Tony. I think. And and the note about Tony Tony there, like just talking about her, Tony Tony rising, (laughs) it is Shoddy rising 100%. But I also liked how they played this. Obviously, I want to see Shoddy together. Obviously, I want to see them kiss and, you know, get married and snow kiss and whatever all the good things that you have. But the idea of snow kiss, yeah, snow kiss, ring kiss, you know, the ultimate kiss is with precipitation. Mm-hmm. You just say uh, I want yeah. all the kisses. Yeah, I want the, all the kisses. A hail kiss? I love a hail kiss. <laughs> <laughs> very intense. Tornado kiss? Hurricane kiss? Mm. That's yeah. the ultimate. That's mm-hmm. what you dream of. Yeah. Here's a kiss that's going to blow you away. I'm sorry. I, I like a morning dew saying, kiss. Uh, saying that. Anyway, but I like how they're playing this in terms of Tony... Last episode, there was this thing where she was like, I play the log game. And that's, a, that's sort of a sexy way of saying it. But here... She's giving Cheryl time. It's this coming out story of Tony knows who she is. She's confident in who she is. She knows that she's bisexual and she's happy being bisexual, but she's not going to force Cheryl out of the closet. She's not going to be like, you love me. I love you. Let's do this thing. She's going to let Cheryl take her time and let Cheryl come to this realization in a time when – you could say it even less than you can now. And we are dealing with a lot of stuff, particularly in the news where it's becoming harder and harder for people to say it right now. So the way they're playing out this as small town America coming out story, even though we saw it, you know, we saw it already in season two and peppered a little bit after that as Cheryl grappled with various things. We're still getting it in a fresh and new way that feels very relevant. Well, and I think what it was in the earlier seasons, it felt like it was sort of like there was so much happening and it was just like a little piece of the story. This feels very meticulous and and thoughtfully done. The story is sort of about this rather than it being a story that ends up touching on, on Cheryl coming out and finding out who she is. Well, and it's also less arch, right? As much as I think the Sisters of the Quiet Mercy rescue episode where they go in and Tony and Cheryl kiss for the first time in front of the projector is easily one of the most romantic moments in Riverdale history, this is a very different way to take it. Just have Tony say, Cheryl say, I don't know where to go from here. And Tony says, read this book, see if it sparks any feelings, and then let's have a conversation about it. And that feels like Obviously, I am not a woman who is gay in the 1950s, but that feels pretty true, like the frog thing, like the marriage test thing of, we can't talk about this, but I could hand you this book, and you can let me know what you think about this book, and we could have sort of a coded conversation about it and then talk about it more in private. So I really like how this is rolling out. It's great. Agreed. Let's move it over to Tony because she does have this other plot line that we mentioned before where, well, she's actually doing a lot of stuff in this episode. She, Well, it's funny. In this episode, I noticed she has a lot of like sort of jazz undertone mm-hmm. uh, for her music when she, she's on screen. 
and I feel like it's such a it puts her in such a power position. She has this like almost like to use the very modern term, like main character energy where she is the one that everyone is orbiting around. And she's the one people have to go to be like, help fix my life. I messed this up. Like, what can I do? And she literally is doing that. Like, it's like, she's taking appointments. She's a life coach. Uh, she's setting people up. You got four months to become famous. Let's go. The, I, I think I joked about this on a previous episode, but I felt it even more strongly in this episode. I don't think they're going to go this route, but the way that Vanessa Morgan is playing Tony and how confident she is and clear on what she wants, I think that's her character. Tony is kind of yeah. like that anyway. But if they reveal that Tony has all of her memories for the present timeline, I would 100% not be surprised yeah. at all. Well, you know, let's be real here. A mystery we haven't talked about is there is another character who knows about what's going on, right? Out there in this time because of, well, we had the, um, the Jughead crown thing mm-hmm. from the first episode. Like there's another person who seems to at least be aware that something mm-hmm. is strange. Like, so there very well could be another of our characters here who doesn't, who it does have their memories and we don't know. So. Maybe that's the interesting. Tony. I didn't read it that way. I thought that was just something left behind from Tabitha after she wiped Jughead's memories. But yeah, it could be somebody. It could be Tony took it and left it with Clue. Yeah, that's what I mean. Because the Tabitha thing doesn't like. Why would she do that? Like as a memento? Well, to me, it wasn't played. That it was a played like as a mystery thing and not like a sentimental yeah. thing left behind. Yeah. So I don't know. I think there's. I think there's another shoe to drop there. Otherwise. Why do all of that work in the first episode, the time capsule, all that? Like, it felt like it feels like there's something more to be revealed there to me. Interesting. And uh, the last thing that I'll throw out about this is that we can move on to something else. But they've already played the Tony and Cheryl immortal soulmates in any timeline thing. So if any character or characters was going to have that break through that thing, I feel like it would be Tony and Cheryl. So. I don't know. That's we'll that's the Shoddy in you talking. Oh, did right I take there. it too far? Did I take you it literally step said <laughs> you said there? You literally were like they've already been shown to be immortal partners. So if there's anyone who's an immortal partner, it's these two immortal partners. It's like <laughs> oh, great, great point, master debater. <laughs> you really nailed it. What on the Tony story though? The the Midge Fang stuff. Like oh, the yeah. bit where she's like, first off, she's like, um, can you dig it, Big Daddy? And he's yeah. like, ha good one. <laughs> cool <laughs> it with the jokes, lady. I'm just stressed out. And she's like, hey, I got the solution. You have to become bigger than Elvis. And you have four months before uh, Midge starts showing. I was like, yeah, that's the big plan. That's a huge swing right there. I mean, here's the thing. He's going to do it, right? Like Fags is 100%, 100% going to become a famous rock star at Mary Midge. He's already beat out Kevin and the crooners. Uh, so uh, Huge. that they're basically, uh, you know, top 10. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure. The wild Dick thing Clark. about this story, I don't know if they did this on purpose or there were scenes left on the cutting room floor, but everything that happened for the most part happened off screen where yeah. Fags and Mitch, first of all, like last we saw them, they were groping what, on each other. You need to have, you need to see them have sex. You needed yeah, to see her get impregnated. Impreg- <laughs> yes. I need to see the Fags and Mitch. Did you want to see the dad like yelling at him? in the background with one of those old timey cameras cranking it the entire time. The camera, the, the camera careful, to be careful. clear. I like the, I like the Fangs kind of walking in afterwards being like, well, that went awful. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying is she's like, you got to go ask for their hand. And then he, we didn't see that happen. No. And then, I don't know. There, it just felt like there were a couple of scenes that were like off screen that were happening in the middle of the storyline. Riverdale yeah, knows you, what you need. They're not going to show you something like and hire a bunch of other actors to play all those characters. You yeah. don't need that. You need fangs coming and being like, oh, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, and then they were on. Well, what do you think but, about this? Are you shipping Fidge? Pete, you love fridges, so do you like fridge yeah. as well? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Not, change of the fridge. Not Hashtag change of the, the fridge. The relation to fridge, uh, but be, uh, because I do, I like them together. Uh, right. They they see well. It's interesting. Fangs the previous iteration of Fangs. Like, are we going to explore that side of his uh, sort of sexual Fangs reality? And Tony, is that what you're saying? Being bisexual, you mean? Yeah. Well, and and Fangs and Tony. Like, there's a ton of stuff. Like, Fangs. Fangs Well, that's what's weird. In the comic book, this this season sort of is using a lot of the comic book tropes. In the comic books, Moose and Midge are the two that are together. Mm -hmm. And so they've sort of, I feel like, split Moose a little bit. The big, uh, dumb, oaf type uh, in in the comic books. about Archie? Well, that's what I was going to say is like Fangs is dating Midge and is sort of being uh, like trying to figure that out and sort of being a bit dopey about it. And then Archie is the other side of Moose who's just like, I, hey, I love this, like very simple, like one one thought in, one thought out uh, type of person. It's the way to do it. I, it does feel a little bit like, hey, we can't put Fangs with Tony because we got to head towards Shoddy. So what do we have Fangs do? Oh, bring Midge back with a new actress. There we go. We're good. And it's fine. I mean, it's working for me. I, I just didn't want to mention about the whole bisexual thing. I don't – maybe they'll address it. He's still bisexual even if yep. he's dating a woman. So – that hasn't changed. I don't think they're going to wipe that out just because they go back in no. time. But, but by not by not sort of referencing it or, or talking about it, I feel like it is a little bit sort of saying it's not relevant to this yeah. character. Well, so here's something that I, I wonder. Uh, I interviewed KJ Appa, and Man, he, I knew you were going to shoehorn this shit. And yeah, you, no, we, no, we no, because I do think it's Archie. relevant. He gave me this. We weren't even fucking talking sorry, about Archie. Sorry that my interview with KJ Appa seems relevant to our Riverdale podcast. It's definitely that's I what know, I'm saying. It's relevant. At least wait until we're talking about Archie. But no, I think this is relevant to the discussion we're having right now is he mentioned this thing that I've I've read through several times and I can't quite parse where he was talking about they're going to explore Archie's sexuality, something they haven't done before. I'm paraphrasing uh, what mm-hmm. he said and that he thought it was very exciting because they haven't really explored the straight character's sexuality in the same way. And in my head, I was like, does that mean he's talking about by Archie? Does that mean he's talking about because we've certainly seen Archie have sex? A lot. A lot. Yeah. A lot. I was going to say, we could, you, you we don't need, you know. So I do think there's two potential things that could happen here that I've been thinking about since I saw this episode. One, sex Uncle with Fred, bears. He's talking about bears. bears. Well, That's he's weird. had two experiences with bears, right? The first experience is when the bear killed him, and the second experience is when the bear killed his boner, which we got to see last episode. <laughs> right, Pete? Great. Oh Pete? Come on. Let's move back on, please. Anyway, my point being, at the end, Uncle Frank shows up and is like, uh, "I got to knock some heads here. Come on, I've been you've been having all the sex." So there might be like a Frank discussion about male sexuality. Frank discussion. Frank discussion. Wow. Frank discussion. I accident. like you. That was an, an accident. Uncle Frank but that was discussion. Yeah. <laughs> nothing franker uh, than Uncle Frank. Next episode, and maybe that's what he's talking about. But the other possibility is, as the members of the friend group get more open about homosexuality, obviously Kevin and Clay, we haven't talked 
talked about them yet, but are dancing this episode. And oh, yeah. Kevin kind of comes out to Betty um, or is essentially forced out to Betty. I think and, Betty sort of <laughs> tells yeah, him what's going on. Exactly. And Cheryl is grappling with things with Tony, like we talked about. There might be bigger conversations with that where I could see a character like Archie or Fang's Archie be like, wait, so am I also gay? What is going on here? How does this work? And they talk about it. Maybe they all go to a safe space gay club together. Maybe that's a place where, and the reason I hold, brought this up, sorry, Pete, was you could have a scene like that where they all go together and Fangs is like, oh, that guy's cute. And Midge is like, come on, Fangs, or whatever. You know, so you get a nod yeah. there. It's still part of it, but he is with Midge at the current time. Uh, yes, uh, though I also think exploring Archie's sexuality could also be about how he seems to have sex a lot all the time without connecting feelings to it. Like there's a lot. Sexuality doesn't just mean like who you're attracted to always. It can be just how you experience sex, what you're the way you explore it in yourself. Like I, I think there's a lot of ways to talk about Archie's sexuality without necessarily meaning that. So, yeah. so maybe that's it's hard to like you said, it's hard to parse what he he meant. I mean, any which way it goes, I'm excited to, to get in Archie's head more because mm-hmm. this season I feel like we've been watching a, uh, a I don't know. I'm worried about getting in. His head. It could be scary in there, man. <laughs> yeah, but it's good, though. It'll be one thought in, one thought out. Like you said, Pete, you love it. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Let's talk about Clevin. We need to talk about wait, Clevin. Wait, I wanted to talk about oh, because yes. in your interview with Archie, which I think is very relevant right now. Just to be clear, <laughs> um, Pete, he didn't interview the Archie, the person, there's an actor who plays Archie. Okay, yeah. right. Uh, so I have anyways, been trying to talk to the characters in the comic books for a while, but they don't talk back they to They don't. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's funny how they don't do that. Anyways, when you were talking, uh, he mentioned the fact that he is, he thinks it's going to be uh, Barchi Endgame. Oh. Barchi's <laughs> Endgame. Oh, you're jumping right yeah. to that. Yeah. Wow, thanks for bringing that well, up, Well, that's Pete. why I figured uh, you did such a smooth segue into that. I figured I could do it, too. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Really? Beautifully done. Yes. Well, he did mention, in his opinion, uh, first of all, and I'll couch this in, he doesn't know how the show is going to end. I asked him, like, he doesn't even know that they're going to jump from the 1950s at some point. They're still filming the season. They've got, I guess, I don't know how dates work, but at least like a month or two left of filming at this point, which is another couple of episodes. Roberto said that they're going to be jumping forward for the 1950s. They're not going to be there the whole season. He did not know that. He doesn't know how the show is end. He did when I interviewed him. He was like, yeah, I was thinking last night, maybe they're going to kill me. I don't know what's going to happen. So he really has no idea. But he was saying, in his opinion, uh, between Barchi and Varchi, he said that he felt like Betty and Archie are such good friends their whole lives, it's hard to not see them together. And then when I oh. asked him about... Veronica and Archie as well, particularly because in the third episode, there were two things that happened. One, there was that whole bee flower moment where Jughead, I'm forgetting what exactly he says in narration, but he's like, Archie was entrapped by her feminine wiles or whatever he said. Yeah. And then Archie seemed pretty into the kiss that Veronica was giving him. So I was like, okay, maybe we'll get more of this at some point. Again, in his opinion, he was like, I don't think so. That in terms of Veronica and Archie, maybe as friends, but not necessarily romantically. Again, okay, so, so follow the ending. Up. He doesn't so know follow, the last couple follow of episodes. Question, follow up question. Yes. Oh boy, here the we go. The point of asking somebody who obviously doesn't know what their opinion is. Like what No, he knows what his opinion just, is. He doesn't know what the facts are. Are you attacking like, me for hey, my interview with KJ Alpha no, live on this podcast? Is the fact that you were like, yeah. 
Yeah, so this guy who works in the show but doesn't really have a say, he fucking wants Bar Chief. So fuck all y'all, yeah! I like, never why? Said why? That. why? Why <laughs> I get it so I very specifically like did not say that. Well, Pete, I, I think, you know, you are obviously Him as bu- an actor bucking. who doesn't know if he's going to die in any episode or not. Like, Can I just him- mention one last thing, okay? At the end of the interview, I usually don't glue the end of the interview when we're like, okay, bye, thanks so much, I'm really right. enjoying the show or whatever. The sign-off that we said, he was like, okay, thanks so much for the questions, Alex, Bughead Bones. And I was like, Bughead Bones. <laughs> and then we hung up the phone. Is that cool, Pete? Yeah, yeah, great. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Do you feel better? Bughead, bughead, I, don't know. I don't know what that means. I was just excited you said that. That didn't happen. I just want to clarify for the podcast. Nah, that didn't see, happen. Of course it didn't I'm just happen. being mean to Pete. Yeah, That's I think all. you you like I think KJ Apple hung up and then you were like, Hey, do you think Barchi's endgame? And then just make <laughs> dial tone an noise. With KJ just, just make a dial tone noise if it's yes. And it was yeah. like Rrr. Dial tone. I you actually, usually interview on a landline. I think about it. I think I interviewed AJ Kappa. Ah, mm. let's see. Yeah. Who is my dentist? Reverse. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, and when he Archie. said bughead bones, he was talking about like I eat a lot of bugs, and yeah. they're in my you head, have, and my teeth are. Sounds mouth like a bones. great dentist. Yeah. You got teeth bugs. He's not. Well, P, I, I don't know why though. you're so, you're so focused on uh, worrying about Barchi when you have a real relationship. For your guy to talk about, we have uh, Ver Verhanica. Ver, Ver, uh, Ver, 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 <laughs> That's uh, the my favorite Jewish holiday. Verhanica. Here's the crazy thing about Verhanica: you expect it to last for one episode, and then magically it lasts for eight <laughs> it keeps episodes. Going. Wow. It keeps going. Episodes. Yeah, really Can we talk incredible. about Clevin though? We were talking about Clevin, and then we yes. got off on a tangent. Clevin. I was very surprised about this also, you know, talking about things happening off screen. We never got to see this conversation that Clay and Kevin had. And instead, all we get it is through the reaction of Betty after they break up with Tony going to the coffee shop and seeing the two of them dancing. Uh, what did you feel about this choice? Well, uh, first off, it, uh, Tony's line, uh, boys are the worst or guys are the worst or whatever, was was pretty funny. Uh, but it was Boy, boys ruin everything. Boys ruin everything. Thank you. And so, like, but it was sweet to see Kevin happy for a couple of seconds there before he was in like extreme denial about it. We were just kidding. It was just a joke. Well, yeah, uh-huh. and like that that opened the door to them having like a real conversation about it. But to yeah, your question, Alex, conversation. I I thought it was I I really I liked it. It was. It made us it put us in Betty's shoes for it, where like it was a surprise to us as as fans, as as viewers. And I thought since we sort of already knew that they were into each other, we knew that Clay was was telling him was out out to him. Like, I I actually thought it was a great way to actually surprise us with it when they sort of had sort of showed us all the cards already. So, like, I thought it was a good job. I. I think it was executed really well. I thought the shot of Betty realizing on the stairs as Tony is like, oh, let's go literally anywhere else. Let's get out Mm -hmm. of here. That slow push in on her, on Lily Reinhardt, as she realizes what's happening and then she runs out of there. Even her reaction to Alice afterwards, she's like, it's okay. He likes boys. It felt like a very 
teenager thing to me to just kind of blurt that out to your mom and not really realize about the consequences of telling her that, although obviously it goes in a very different direction. I do think my one little qualm with it is the same thing that we've gotten over this entire show. You like to talk about getting in people's heads, Justin. Like you said, this puts this, it makes it a Betty storyline instead of a Kevin storyline. And there are things that happen with Kevin here. And we do get these discussions where like Pete was saying, he essentially is told what's going on with him by Betty, but it takes it out of his hands. You know, once again, it puts Kevin at second tier under another character, which was a little bit of a bummer for me. Well, but I think we're going to get that story. This is only the, the, the touch of it. And to me, like in the, the earlier episodes of this season, we've gotten Kevin's point of view on clay and it felt like their relationship was progressing. We flipped in this episode to Betty I bet we flip back and, and get to actually see their romance happen because it doesn't seem like it seems like they're right at the very beginning of it. And we haven't actually missed much of their story. So I feel like we'll we'll get to it, even though the perspective was shifted here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hope so, because um, I think the way kind of Betty uh, uh, talked to Kevin, the back that back and forth that they had was really nice. It was two people who care very much about each other, having a discussion uh, and trying to be supportive. So I thought it was like that part was cool. But I agree. Yeah, like I, I would definitely want Kevin to have his moment. But I feel like we've been saying that for how many seasons? Right, exactly. Uh, Also, I wanted to mention, not to call you out, Pete, but I thought this was interesting. You got a little bit of a vibe from Betty and Tony, right? Well, a a little bit of a where where Tony was like, yeah, boys are the worst. We should go get coffee and talk about it. You know what I mean? Where I was just like, Tony, all right. Okay, take it easy, Tony. (laughs) Now, are you, do you ship Boney or Shoney? Uh, I'm Shoney, um, you know, but I do think it was Tony is, you know, very, uh, very cool with everybody and is super helpful. Yeah. I mean, Betty feels like she just is a, a hormonal explosion. She has sex on her mind and it's sort of coming out any which way uh, it can at this point. I hesitate to bring this up because as, again, I will mention we are three guys on a podcast, but there's been yep. a lot of discussion about Betty this season. A lot of people upset about saying they don't like horny Betty. They feel like that's uh, done a disservice to the character. How do you guys feel about it so far? I, that it's a fun, I, I like it as like we always get like the guy, the teenage mm-hmm. boy who's like, I'm horny. I need to do this. Mm-hmm. The flip of that and have it be Betty, I think, is a, a great choice, especially. And it makes sense with the story because she's been with Kevin for a while and they haven't done that because of his he's not attracted to her. And so she, of course, has like bottled up sexual feelings. I think they've underlined it really well. It makes a lot of sense. I, I think it's a good choice. Yeah, I hear. Uh, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying, Justin. Uh, I do want there to be more to Betty than just horny Betty. But yes, I feel like it's a good switch. It's also nice. Uh, you know, I, I feel like teenagers in general, uh, not in the 50s at any time, have to deal with a lot of different changes and stuff. So it's fun to not fun, but it's it's relatable to see people struggle with stuff and have a hard time. Well, and I also think. It, the Betty we know hasn't got away. Like we've talked about, these yeah. still are the characters we know. They're giving little nods to it here and there, and I feel like it's getting stronger as the episodes go on. Like, 
forgetting the first episode for a second, which I think was that was Betty. Done. She was editor in chief of the Blue and Gold. She was there. I don't know what you're talking about. Like we talked about, about, once you had that Jughead reset at the end of the first episode, it almost feels like episode two is where they really started, where we were off to the races with what they were doing. And we got that moment the last episode where they narrowly missed each other. She was investigating something in a certain way, or at least looking at it. And this episode. She figures out the thing about the pin based on a clue from Kevin. So it's not like hardcore murder mystery the same way that Jughead is dealing with. But we are still getting little notes of that investor greeter, Betty. And I think as the season goes on, that's going to get stronger and stronger and stronger and bigger. Or at least I hope it will. It's fun to hear you talk about a Riverdale like it's a fine wine. You're like, I'm getting notes of this. This is really nice. (laughs) Well, but it it is complex as a very high end uh, Chateau Neuf de Pop. A lot of people would argue that there's uh, occasionally a lot of tatted right at the bottom there, and that's pretty gross. But you know, exactly. You're you're, drunk. Often, often, Pete, you walk out with the only tannin. uh, Yeah, I'm like, guys, stop tanning so much. Not what nice, we're talking about. Real <laughs> wine guy, wine guy down here. Let's uh, talk but, about just oh, one last yeah. thing on okay. that. Like, I feel like there are a ton of characters, a ton of storylines to follow in Riverdale. And so we can't tell all the stories at once. And the story they're telling about Betty right now is about her being feeling like she has to get has to experience some sort of sex. And so, like, that's just where she is right now. Like you said, none of what came before is erased, and there's going to be more down the road. It's just we're in that part of the story right now. So I think trust trust Riverdale at the end. Uh, there we go. Uh, Let's talk about Jeronica and they their team up this episode talking about investigators. Oh, shucks. They are the Nick and Nora Charles of Riverdale. It's definitely a different sort of investigation. But over the course of the episode, they managed to free Ethel from jail thanks to figuring out that she was with Julian at the night in question. He was going all octopus heads. Awful. Jughead straight up pugilist style. He does like sort of the old time. It's the 50s. This is how you the old rock. Punches out Julian, forces him to confess the truth. Ultimately, Ethel is freed. Um, Meanwhile, along the way, Jughead's train car has been trashed. Veronica gets him to stay at the Pembroke. She remakes it into like something out of Murder at the Orient Express is what I think it says. Murder on the Orient Express. Uh, And then by the end of the episode, they are smoochaloochin. Veronica rising. How are we feeling about this? Well, I mean, I was kind of hoping that Jughead would freak out a little bit. Like, you know, sometimes when you see those home makeover shows and somebody makes a big Mm. choice, the person like loses it and it's like, what the fuck did you do? You know, so I was hoping for a little bit of that. What what home makeover shows are you watching? Oh, man, I I watch a lot of like outright The ones on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like hidden cameras and stuff. Uh, No, I just think that like uh, dark web home makeover shows. Yeah, who's with me? Uh, Yeah, I just feel like this is adorable and I'm trying to fight against how much I'm enjoying this team up. I mean, part of me is like, hey, just enjoy the 50s. It's the 50s. Just enjoy this. But part of me is like, this isn't my ship. This isn't (laughs) the ship that I want. Howdy Pete doesn't yeah. get to his ship. Well, I, I I think you embrace that feeling because 
and you correct me if I'm wrong, but part of what you loved about Buckhead was their solving cases and kissing uh, at the close. And that's <laughs> what we're getting here. We're getting that with them. And it's it basically is basically the same thing. Uh, like you're saying, Justin, women are interchangeable. Is that the point? No, that you're making? That's not, just to no. check. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, oh. I, but I, Sounded like what, that's what you were. Definitely not saying that. Because <laughs> okay. I think it, yeah, also Jughead's a that- com- He's a completely different guy in this situation. Yes. Uh, but I, I do think in a reset, there, I think the attraction there is similar to what the Bughead attraction especially started with, where it was we're doing this thing together and then sparks started to fly. I mean, all detectives end up, you know, having a little romance in there. Mm-hmm. What? Cagney and Lacey. Cagney and Lacey, Jake and the Fat Man. These are all shows that were on air like in the 80s. Wow. That was top of mind. Is you guys all the law those two order, out of here. All the Law & Order cast members, they're always mm-hmm. screwed around. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, great. Uh, yeah, I really, I like this. I think this is a cute relationship. I don't think we're going to end up necessarily with Jerotica Endgame by the end of the series. But like we've been talking about, this reset to the 1950s, even though it's consistent with the characters emotionally, is allowing them to explore things in different ways. Some of the things feel bad, like Sharji, and some of the things are interesting and kind of fun and different, like Jeronica. And like you said, Pete, I'm sure plenty of people are very upset about it because it's not their ship, but it it's something that like they haven't tried for six mm-hmm. seasons. Will it work? Probably not, but could it work? Maybe. At least they're trying it out and having fun while they do it. And these versions of the characters, like, they've been pretty clear since they reintroduced Veronica at the beginning of the season that most of what she's doing is because she's lonely and Jughead is also on his own and lonely. And to put these two characters together that can get rid of their loneliness together and really bond over the things that they like, monster movies, detective stories, etc. It's fun to watch. I'm enjoying it. Definitely. And even if it's not like it doesn't end up being like this big romance, I think their connection is is strong and real no matter what it ends up being. Like if it's hard to like with Tabitha being gone, but still like that great moment they had at the end of the first episode, it's hard to be like, and now Jughead's happy with this other person when, you know, we sort of, I think it feels like the show is like Jabbath is where it's at, but like there are all sorts of different relationships and maybe theirs is like, they're going to kiss a little, but maybe it'll end up being friends. Sort of like the way that Bughead ended up when they ended their relationship. You probably didn't need to break that quite up. Yeah, I mean, come on. Dude, what the fuck? That's, that's, that's just what happened. Uh, I'm not saying anything out of turn. Uh, but yeah. I do think this Robin is a fun self. thing that I'm excited to see them explore more. What other moments from the episode should we call out here? Well, there's um, – we didn't talk a ton about the Blossoms, and mm. that's I think, is worth – first off, you have Julian, like you said – uh, the way that he sort of gets with Ethel felt like uh, very coincidental that he picks her up the night that uh, the parents are killed. And it made me think that uh, last episode we talked about how the Coopers have uh, couple serial killer energy. The emergence of Clifford in this episode and wow. Julian being in that situation – I was like, oh, right. Clifford's also a maniac parent here in town who is capable of murder for some reason. And there, like we know, there's a connection between the Blossoms and the Coopers related to um, the maple syrup business in Riverdale. So <clears throat> maybe there's a reason 
that they they could be sort of working together. And we, I don't know how Ethel's parents factor into that, but who knows what's happening. Uh, maybe, wanna... maybe the season's going to end up in some sort of like wicker man type thing where all of the mm. parents, all of the villains from all of the season come back. They're all serial killers. They're like, yep, we got to sacrifice a bunch of people to keep the crops going, the maple crops going. So there you go. Could happen. Yeah. It's Riverdale. Man. I mean, we already know these parents love calling each other to talk about their kids' sex lives. So there's a definitely <laughs> a lot of opportunity for them to mm-hmm. connect. Yes. I want to talk a little bit about the um, – when Archie was talking to Cheryl about his dad – uh, that got me in the feels, and mm. when he had that line about like just being cowboys together, it was like uh, just uh, the way he played that as an actor was really nice, and uh, the kind of high regard that he holds for his father was just uh, was a nice kind of little moment. I really like the dinner scene where Clifford says, "What do you think about the Russian problem?" And Cheryl's oh, just getting oh eyes at Archie. Yeah, Archie's like, "Yeah, it's a problem, all right. Oh, what are we talking about? Am I well, right?" I love that he finished his answer and was like, "Nailed it." <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else is like, "What did that kid just say?" <laughs> Uh, Veronica's line after she clears Jughead's name saying, I'm a very busy teenager, was very funny. Um, and also uh, Sheriff Keller's reaction to that. What were you going to say, Justin? Uh, yeah, agree on both those. I love Archie's reaction. Like, I have to get married and take a test. <laughs> <laughs> very Archie reaction. More worried about the test than the yeah. uh, upcoming marriage. The uh, – the other thing I wanted to say was there's that moment when Jughead goes back to his train car and he's like, where's hot dog? Yeah. And I don't know if we've talked, we've talked about this in a while, but like um, there's a comic book after life with Archie uh, written by Roberto Gersicasa, mm-hmm. uh, right. That sort of like was, I don't know what stage Riverdale was in, but like probably it hadn't happened yet. Maybe he was pitching at the same time he was doing this comic. Oh, no, all I was going to say is that like afterlife with Archie is basically Afterlife with Archie and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina are the two things that kicked him into being creative officer of Archie, which is how he got to pitch Riverdale. He may have had it right. bubbling in the background, but it's definitely after that in the timeline. And anyway, Afterlife with Archie is like a, the Archie characters in a zombie, a zombie apocalypse, basically. And there was a moment in the when Jughead is like, where's Hot Dog? Because in the comic, uh, Hot Dog is sort of the um, beginning of the zombie apocalypse. I was like, this is it. They're going to do it for just a second. It flashed mm. there and it made me think they could do an episode if they're going to do it. It's a great hearkening back to Roberto's big beginning with these characters in comic book form. A one off episode after life with Archie. Let's go. Yeah, I would love to see that. That would be very fun. Um, I know I mentioned it before, but there was a line I wrote down from Cheryl where she is talking to. I think it was Betty and Archie. Betty's digging into Archie for getting married. And Cheryl is like, you coming, Archie? Um, and then she just says, wunderbar, very quickly, which was very funny. Yeah. But it wasn't like a classic Cheryl wunderbar. It was her, like the way she's playing it, she, of all the cast, is the one who's making herself the most look like a teenager, you know? Mm, like yeah. Archie, KJ Appa doing a great job of playing it, but... He's not a teenager. He's mid to late 20s at this point. You can tell it's fine. But he's like, oh, gee whiz, I'm a little kid. Wowee. Versus the way Madeline Plesh is playing it. Like she has her shoulders kind of hunched in and she's making herself physically smaller. I think it helps that she's with Archie in this episode. 
and he's taller than her. So she's like looking up like a little kid. Um, so I don't know. It, it's just the way that she's delivering the lines and doing it. I think she's doing it. Uh, what do you think the, Wunder- the- what oh, do you think God. the Wunderbar was about then? If you're, um, well, it's not Wunderbar. It's sort of like, it's a classic Cheryl line where she'd be like Wunderbar and then wander away, except it's not actually wonderful. That's all. Well, let me throw this out, Ooh, and I'd have to re—I'd have to rewatch it. It's not much of a uh, theory. It's just Big like theory. She, this is the biggest theory of the episode. Take she away. sees Betty and Archie together, and maybe she's like, "Oh, I, that was her way of being mm-hmm. like, I see this." And because later on in the episode, she literally like that girl isn't me, and and is like Betty's that girl for you. So like maybe that was her sort of having that idea to then send Archie at the end of the episode. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, listen, we are clearly the- heading towards Barchi here, right? Like, they're going to keep throwing. Absolutely. <laughs> Shut up a second. I'm trying to. While you guys were talking about the Blossoms, the part where uh, Mrs. Blossom was like, oh, man, what do you think about these kids getting together? I mean, they're both redheads. I, I, was, yeah. I was just like, <laughs> shut up and get in the wall. Get in the wall, Mrs. Blossom. I'm sick of you. Just get in the wall. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of redheads on this show right now. Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. It's true. Compared to the percentage of them and the shrinking percentage in the U.S. general population, it's it's shocking. But um, th- a couple other things I would say. Well, I mean, we should talk about Ethel gets the Alice sends Ethel to the Sisterhood of the Quiet Mercy, oh. uh, as we talked about. Uh, that's a problem. Are we going to get a jughead fire? Jughead rescue mission? I, I think so. so, right? Yeah. Like maybe not yeah, Jughead next episode, and Veronica? Yeah, I think they'd probably team up to get her out or at least visit her. But yeah. I hope so. Uh, Shannon Purser has been great this season. So good. Yeah. So I hope they don't keep her off screen too long. Agreed. And she has to play a lot of different tones. She has to play like teen who's um, finding success drawing, like shocked, uh, trauma, trauma moment teen. And then like in the house, like helping out Betty. And he's like, it's, she has to do so many different things and it's, it's, she's doing a great job. Um, And uh, let's shout out our, maybe our favorite new character, um, Frank's vicious mustache. (laughs) Let's do it. Come on. Absolutely. Uncle Frank making that huge cock block entrance there. Yeah, that was a very fun entrance because the way that they shot that, it was like, who is it? Who's coming back? Which character? Oh, it's Uncle Frank. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Oh, who we might expect. (laughs) All right. There we go. But yes, he does have that sweet stash and he was definitely doing like a 50s. um, I'm a rough and tumble dock worker guy growl, which is very fun as well. Before we wrap up here, who is the MVP of the episode? Pete, who is your MVP? Oh, man. This was MVP. uh, this was a, a really great episode for a lot of characters, a lot of great stuff. Who do I want to? I'm because I'm I'm toying, I'm back and forth. I can't really decide between Betty and Tony, so I'm gonna give it to Betty. I'm gonna give it to Betty because oh, wow. that that speech, uh, that moment she has with Kev, where she's not upset about their relationship ending. She's the, or she's a friend for uh, you know to kind of talk things out with. So I was impressed with that move. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it up for. Her. Better be an MVP. Justin, you got an MVP? I got to give it up for Jughead in this episode. Uh, he is definitely sort of hitting the um, – he's sort of the Archie of this episode in some ways yeah. where he gets in a fight. He uh, stays with, at Veronica's house. He's got a budding romance. Uh, he's solving a mystery. Cooks he's too a, much breakfast. Way yeah, too much. Yeah, way breakfast. too much. Like a shocking – but uh, I guess a Jughead amount of breakfast. Yeah, he's exactly. a man for all seasons, and I want to – I salute him on this day. 
Yeah, I'm gonna give it up to Cheryl. I that probably not too much of a surprise. Not a lot of surprise. You know what? We we t- used to talk a lot about how Pete would give it up for Betty every episode. You've officially become that for Cheryl. Cheryl all day or day. It looks yeah. like it. She did a great job this episode. I thought she was absolutely fantastic. I am excited to see where Shoni goes next. And if you would like to support our podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast. Every and YouTube and Facebook. Yeah, we do. Come out. Huh. We would love to talk to you about Riverdale, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Riverdale Dark on Twitter, Riverdale After on Instagram, Riverdale After Dark on Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you. After dark. I keep taking these frog pregnancy tests, and now I have (laughs) thousands of tadpoles. What do I do? Oh, wow. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.